Hi, I'm Daniel Eccles, and this is the Opportunity Collective, a network that's helping faithful creators like yourself collaborate to create more opportunities and live purpose-driven lives. On this podcast, I talk to other faithful creators, and we showcase how to collaborate in real time. The goal is collaboration over competition, and we want to create more opportunities for ourselves, but more importantly, for other people. So welcome to the Opportunity Collective. Natalie Bourne is a product designer and innovator. Actually, innovation is the key word when it comes to Natalie Bourne. And also a new author. She's written a book called Set It On Fire, which is all about innovation and how to start the things that you as a faithful creator are excited to start. How do you get going and get past the things that are keeping you from starting and bringing to life the things that you feel um, led to bring to life. So she's super creative. There are so many nuggets of wisdom in here. I think you're going to really enjoy it. So without further ado, Natalie Bourne. Natalie, it's finally happened. Finally got to get together. I think this has been months in the works and it's neither of our fault. We're just both doing things that we're excited about, passionate about. And I mean, you're doing really cool things too. I mean, there was a book released uh, during that time and everything. So we'll have plenty to talk about. Thanks for, for coming on. Go ahead and introduce yourself to listeners. Uh, introduce them to who you are, what you do, what you're excited about, all the things that are important for us to know. Well, thanks for having me, Daniel. And you're right. This has been a long time in the making. We have been, you know, we're both podcasters, so we're like, we should, you know, jump on podcasts together. And then it's been really hard. We both had a, a ton of life changes this year. For me, I, I would say I've had probably two or three pretty big life changes this year. One of them is I joined Arch and Tower, which is a boutique consulting firm. And they were bought a couple of years ago by a CPA firm called Fraser Dieter. So I've been here kind of getting immersed in the world of customer experience, employee experience, and then operational excellence. And then I kind mm -hmm. of bring my innovation background into the mix with everything we're doing here. So that's been a really fun ride. In addition to that, I released a book this year, as you mentioned. So it's called set it on fire, the art of innovation. And that has been a blast. Just, it has been one of the funnest things I've done and one of the most <laughs> difficult things I've done releasing a book. And so, gosh, it is not for the faint of heart. I will tell you that right now. And I have all kinds of lessons learned that I would love to share. We can for sure talk about that. But a little bit about me, my background and my upbringing has been in product development. So I started in product development several years ago, kind of built my career from the ground up at CareerBuilder. You know, at that time, I, you know, started at CareerBuilder when I was 19. When I left CareerBuilder 11 years later, I was, had worked in over 14 countries on some various mergers and acquisitions, and then also growing business organically from the ground up in Europe and then also in Asia. And so, you know, I continued on later in the field of technology, wrote a few patents in that field. And I kind of fell in love with just product development and technology and the whole mix. And so really when I wrote this book, it was taking all that experience and saying like, how do you get an idea off the ground? How do you launch an idea? And if you had an innovation consultant like myself to come alongside of you, 
what would I tell you to do? What is step one through 10 to get your idea off the ground? And that's really the heart behind why I launched this book is because I wanted to help people. You know, you probably have this too, where you listen to all these people share their ideas and you're like, man, we talked about this idea two years ago and they still haven't done it. And so my heart behind this book was to really move from just talking about ideas to actually launching them, doing them, getting them out there in the world. Oh, where does the set it on fire piece then fit in? If uh, it's about launching ideas, yep. setting on fire makes me feel like we're uh, getting rid of something. <laughs> so how does that how does that kind of fit in there? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I think I can tell you best. I want to I want to read you this little excerpt because I think it'll okay. I think it'll help you understand. Um, so this is like page 19 of the book. And it just says, before we begin, every leader must ask themselves mm. a few direct questions. Before launching into innovation, we must believe that innovation is possible. Often, a lack of belief starts younger than we'd like to admit. So let me ask you, who told you you're not innovative? Who told you you're not creative? Was this something that someone said to you or something you've said to yourself? So on my platform, I call myself a disruptor. And the first person I want to disrupt is myself and my own limited way of thinking. So the whole idea, and it goes on, but the whole idea is that we are setting on fire the boxes that we put ourselves in that limit us, that tell us we can't launch something, that tell us we failed before, and so therefore you'll never get to do it again. And for all of us, we have these talk tracks that speak to us and tell us, you know, that won't work because, and then we insert all the reasons why you're going to fail before you even get started or all the reasons why you won't be successful. So Set It On Fire for me is a call for you to set the personal boxes, the boxes either you put yourself in or people have put you in on fire. And so at the end of every episode of my podcast, I say, don't just get out of the box, break the box and set it on fire. So that's, that's what it's all about. And you're right. You're like, why set it on fire? It sounds like a really weird title, but that's the backstory behind it. Uh, makes perfect sense to me. I mean, whenever we're collaborating as a opportunity collective, a lot of times there are people from way different backgrounds. I, I think one of the times that I had people meeting together, there was an illustrator and a real estate agent who were talking and there's like, how do we, how do we collaborate? I'm a creative and then this is a real estate agent. But I really like the question of who told you that you aren't a creative just because mm -hmm. you're a real estate agent? That's right. I think that anybody can be a creative. Now, not all real estate agents are creatives, <laughs> for sure. But there are definitely creatives who are real estate agents as well. Yeah. There's a difference. And I think it's that innovation piece, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's the hot, the hot word for you is innovation. What are some particular maybe this limiting beliefs, these boxes that we put ourselves in for sure. But what are some other innovation killers to look out for as creatives, entrepreneurs, and emerging leaders? Yeah. So I want to speak, before I tell you the innovation killers to look out for, I want to speak to what you said too, because I think it's so important. You know, I used to say I'm not creative. Hmm. I used to say that all the time. But one of the things I think we have to remember is like we're created in the image of God and he was super creative. I mean, what in the world, like aardvarks and antelopes and all the things, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so super creative in the, in, in that. And I think what that looks like is different for everybody. So if we mm -hmm. try to label our creative, the same version of someone who's an artist or someone who's a singer, then obviously we're not creative. Um, but our creativity may pick up different forms than other people. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a lot of our limiting thinking, and this was my limit in thinking for many years, was that I had to label myself 
in the way that other people did because they did the things they did and I couldn't do those. And so my creativity picks up many different forms than someone else's. And so I think that even expanding our idea of what it means to be creative and what it means to you know, kind of sit in that vein, I think is very important. And it kind of opens our mindset a little bit more so that we're not so bound to creativity equals artistry, right? Or, or whatever mm-hmm. that is in our mind. I think we all have. Which have- is what I've said before, before even starting a podcast. I'm like, I don't know if I can count myself as a creative, but exactly what you're saying. God is the creator and we were created in his image. And our original commission to use the word that Jordan Rayner, I don't know if you're familiar with him, uses, but our original commission was to fill the earth. And that's mm-hmm. that's creative. And so you're, as a real estate agent, you're filling the earth <laughs> with something. <laughs> you're filling houses and fill- yeah. <laughs> filling the earth. You're, you're, and you're accomplishing people's dreams, right? Uh-huh. Like how creative is that to <laughs> help someone accomplish a dream that they have, or they've always had, right, for a long time to own their own home? Yes, uh, even as a CPA or any of these other professions that you wouldn't necessarily call a, a creative professions, I think that there are ways that we, we can do it creatively. So yeah, I yeah. love that you brought brought that up. Well, yeah. So let's dig in and talk about these. I actually have a chapter in my book called Does Your Culture Kill Innovation? It's mm-hmm. a fun chapter, one of my favorites. And I think there's really three things that we should look at when we ask ourselves the question, does your culture kill innovation? I think it's alignment, it's team health, and then empathy. So when you think about alignment, I've worked in several large organizations, several, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 1000. And one of the things that's true is that if you don't give people a common mission, they will pull the boat apart, trying to pull in the direction that they want things to go. And so one of the most important things that we can do when we launch anything is create alignment. And so we can do that through so many different ways through, you know, what is our strategic plan for the year? We can do it through scorecards. We can do it through establishing teams that work together. But when we do not give people a vision and a focus and a mission for the year that that includes other team members, we find that people will pull everything in different directions. And again, like think about a canoe, think about being in the water and you have everybody rowing in a different direction, right? Eventually they're going to bust the boat apart if they continue to just work again against each other. And a lot of times in organizations, people tend to work against each other because they don't have a common mission and vision. They don't have a hill to go get together. I remember back when I worked at uh, Career Builder late, you know, I don't even know the year. I mean, I don't want to pretend to know the year. It was like 2000s. But uh, one of the things we said is, hey, when we beat this competitor in these three areas, our true north is going to be to to expand into Europe. And so that became our mission, our mantra. We had the three scorecard areas that we wanted to beat our competitor, and we were going after it every day. We were working together. We kind of created a common enemy, honestly, in that competitor. And so we rallied together internally. A lot of times the enemy within an organization is their peer, their counterpart, because they haven't created a common mission together. So, So that's one, alignment. The second one is team health. And, you know, this gets into to something that you said earlier about just how do we collaborate together. Psychological safety is such a challenge in organizations. And, you know, if we're in a meeting together, Daniel, and you're like, oh, man, that idea is so stupid. I'm probably going to shut down in that meeting and stop talking. Right. <laughs> but if you say to me, Natalie, I don't see how that idea is going to work. Can you tell me more? 
then that unlocks something for me to start collaborating with you and you collaborating with me. So even how we approach each other in meetings, how we approach each other in situations, how we create team psychological safety mm-hmm. matters. And I even just think about, you know, just the language and the words we use, it matters. And it either unlocks people's creativity or it shuts them down. And then the last one is empathy. And when I think about empathy, we can always have empathy towards one another. But of course, when I think about it, I'm talking about kind of a tenant that I feel innovation brings to the table, which is innovation is simply putting your customer at the center of everything you build. So when we build something, and several times I've been asked to come into organizations and launch something that nobody wanted. And so I had to stop and say, hey, we can't put this out there in the world because no one's asking us for it. And when I talk to your customers, they're not interested in it and nobody's going to buy it. We need to step back and build the thing that people actually want so that their ideas and what they're trying to, to, to get out there in the world actually matches the people they're building it for. Those are, are three good things for innovation, but I think three things that are necessary then also for collaboration, especially within an org. A lot of times as solopreneurs or creatives, or we are islands unto ourselves and maybe competing with other ones. One that I want to focus in on here on there is that alignment piece. How do you build alignment with somebody that is not in your org necessarily? So if I am just meeting somebody that is also a faithful, creative entrepreneur, emerging leader, what's our common mission? How do we come to that quickly to then start collaborating? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of times, and I would say for solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, a lot of times, you know, in the business, we run so fast that we don't sit down to ask ourselves, what's my own personal mission, vision, and values? Like yeah. we, we don't, like we can do yeah. it for other people. We may even go into organizations and build this for other people, but oftentimes we find we're not building these things for ourselves. Those things are so important though, because when you go to partner with someone else, you really need to think about what does your mission and vision say and how does that align with mm-hmm. their mission and vision and values? Because it's the difference between heaven or hell when you partner with somebody who has a different mission, vision and values than you. And so you really have to make sure there's alignment there. Otherwise, what you're trying to accomplish may not be successful or it may be successful, but what was the torture that you had to go through in order to get it there? So that that alignment to me is everything and it's critical. And again, like, you know, part of, part of, as I just mentioned this year, I partnered with Arch and Tower. For me, sitting down with our, our leaders, John and Chris, and meeting them and getting to know them better, what I learned was like, we had so many shared values. We had so many shared visions for how to help clients and our, even our own personal journeys of faith and things like that. Those things are so important when you're combining I'll call it combining resources, combining, you know, mission with somebody else is to find out, are we even on the same page? I've, I've also been in partnerships where we were not on the same page and it was, it was difficult. And you're constantly having to ask yourself, do I need to stand up for this value I believe in, or am I willing to kind of turn the other way? And the more you turn the other, other way, the more you start to lose the values and the capabilities that matter to you. Yeah, that's good. So knowing your own mission, and then also knowing their mission, this ties into how we like to collaborate is there's two questions. How can I help you? And can you help me? Knowing how you can help a lot of times ties in with your mission. Um, And so 
what what's yours, Natalie? What is your own personal mission? What are, is it that you would say you're about and how could you help people uh, through yeah. that? So my personal mission and something that, you know, I definitely picked up later in life was to help people launch big ideas. Like I, hmm. I get so passionate about that, whether it's helping someone launch a software product or whether it's helping somebody create change in an organization that's struggling or stagnant, helping people get ideas off the ground, helping people get out of their own way and see the brilliance that does lie within them. A lot of times, and again, the reason why I wrote the book, Set It on Fire, Mm -hmm. is because a lot of times, you know, we are our own worst enemy and we are actually the ones that stand in our way of being successful. So the way that I love to help people is almost to hold up a mirror and show them that what they want to accomplish, what they want to drive towards and do is possible. First step for all of us is we have to get out of our own way in order to do it. That's good. So launching those big ideas in the book is maybe an easier access point to to do Mm -hmm. that or a a great place for somebody that's listening to get started. What are some other ways that are things that come to mind that you're like, I would really love to help faithful creatives, entrepreneurs, and emerging leaders with this? Yeah. So one question I get a ton is, you know, people ask me all the time, will you mentor me? Will you mentor me? And you're just like, you only have so much space right in your day to mentor people. So part of what I did was I started two podcasts. One is called Innovation Meets Leadership. And it's for people that want to be more creative, more innovative. I talk to a lot of founders and people who've started businesses. And again, the idea there is I can't personally mentor a hundred people but I can, I can get this information out to as many people as can listen to it. And then they can kind of grow and learn from these leaders. And it's cool for me because I'm getting to grow and learn from all these awesome leaders as well. And then I also started another podcast platform called Thrive Today. Mm-hmm. And it's for women who lead and believe. And again, we deal with a lot of things like imposter syndrome and, you know, how to how to start a business, how to, how to start something from the ground up. And so really what I'm leaning into and what I want to help people with is different content, different, different thought patterns that they can use to kind of break free from conventional thinking, get out of their own way. And so that's really been my mechanism to, to just get thoughts out there is, is to release it through these, these two channels. That's helpful. Yeah. So two podcasts, a book. I'm sure that, I mean, there's a lot, lots of other ways. I mean, you're out there, you're, you're getting a lot of stuff out there and content and stuff, very busy. What is there anything though, that comes to mind on the opposite side here? You know what you're good at, you know, your mission, but we all have gaps in our skills and our abilities and our time. So how would somebody be able to help you in the things that you're doing? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. I mean, so I I will say this kind of tongue in cheek, but I I think it's real. Like, you know, as an author, um, (laughs) it, 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 it will always take longer than you think. It will always cost more than you think. And it will always be harder than you think, but it's absolutely worth it. So I would say my husband would tell you right now, you can help me by buying the book. (laughs) He's like, when are we going to recoup the costs on this? But in all seriousness, I mean, I think that, you know, the support for an author's work, the support Mm -hmm. for obviously what you do, Daniel, with the podcast, that means the world to us when someone either 
you know, buys the book or even likes the podcast, gives a review, shares it, like all of those things I think help so, so much and also encourages you. I mean, it is Mm -hmm. definitely a labor, right? When you are putting yourself out there for the world, when you are creating this content, you, you just hope and pray, especially when you first get started, that you're not doing it in a vacuum or a silo, but that it's actually reaching the the audience that you so desperately want to reach because you want to help people. And I'll say this, like, I, I love the podcaster community. It is such a, a giving community mm-hmm. who support and help each other. And so that was just a huge surprise for me that I didn't realize existed when starting a podcast. And so even on my platform, I had a lot of people asking me over and over again, how I start a podcast. So I have even an episode called how to start a podcast, because I think there's, there's something so special to this community. Yeah. Um, and I found the same thing when, when I started writing as well, you know, you just have people come out of the woodwork that you have written before that are willing to help you. And so I would say liking, sharing, just commenting, it goes such a long way and, and helping to get the content out there. Yeah, it really does. It means a lot more and it's not that hard to do. Just encouraging one another in the things that we're passionate about. And that a lot of times is more valuable than purchasing a product or or giving a skill set or a service is, is just those encouraging words. So yeah, for sure. Now this book, it sounds like a really hard thing. <laughs> I have never written a book. i I have always said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll write a book sometime. But, you know, there's always a reason not to. And in order to write, you actually have to sit down and do it. But what are some some things about like writing a book that maybe surprised you? Or what was the most difficult part? And what was yeah. the most rewarding? Sure. So I'll start with a little bit on my process of how I started writing. So uh-huh. I really like the way that I accidentally wrote a book because I think that this will probably help a lot of your listeners too, which is I started blogging and I just started blogging about different innovation topics. I, I started blogging about just different topics I was passionate about. And as a result, eventually I started pulling all those blogs together. I wrote in two journals, the Avail Journal, and then also the Thrive Today Journal, two podcast platforms. It's a lot of writing, right? A lot of researching, a lot of thinking about these topics for years. And so when I first went out to to think about writing the book, I actually had a pretty big publisher reach out to me kind of randomly and say, Hmm. hey, would like to look at you you for writing a book. I'm like, perfect timing. I'm writing a book. And you're actually the only you know, publisher, I would want to publish me. And long story short, they came back and said, Hey, you're not popular enough. Your platforms aren't big enough. We're, we're going to pass, and which was fine. And, you know, just looking at kind of the odds of, you know, most people don't sell more than 150 to 300 books in the lifetime of the book. Hmm. Most authors really don't get their, the, you know, kind of the notoriety for this hard work that they put into this as you would hope. And so, you know, just, but for me, my process, it helped me kind of shortcut writing a book because I wasn't starting with a blank page. I started with many journal articles, many uh, blog articles, many podcast episodes, and then brought all that together to say, okay, Mm -hmm. I think I have something here. I think the most painful part for me was my first manuscript was due like in January. And when I turned it in, they said, you need to double the size of this. And I was like, absolutely mortified. I was like, i thought I was done. And so part of what I hate about business books is eventually you get into the book and it starts repeating itself. Yes. So I had to work really hard to say, I do not want to repeat myself in this book. I want every chapter to be stand on its own, to not be a replication of the past two chapters, but to really stand on its own. So that was super hard. Mm. I thought I was done. 
I was just getting started. When you hand that manuscript off, you think, oh my gosh, I'm done, but you're not. Then, then they have to format that and you have to approve the format. Then I had drawings in the book. I, funny, long story short, had a couple of artists fall through and I had to end up having my 13 year old daughter do my drawings in the book, which if I didn't tell you she was 13, you never would have known because uh-huh. she did such a phenomenal job on it. Something that's even but, more um, meaningful, though, too, and like yeah. such a cool thing. Yeah, it absolutely was. And so, you know, after all these doors closed to these different artists, you know, she ended up just picking up the project and like knocking it out for me in a week, which was so crazy. And so she's a workhorse, man. <laughs> so, but yeah, like just, just the, the grind to get this out. And then when you're done and the book is like in your hands and you think, oh my gosh, I just ran a marathon. You then have to turn around and start figuring out how to distribute, like, how do you get word out about the book. So I think that there's so much that goes into writing a book that people don't realize. And that was all with a publisher. So I did have, I worked with Avail Publishing to publish my book. And that was even with the publisher. There's just so many steps to it. And so you have to enjoy the journey. You have to kind of slow down and breathe in those moments where an artist falls through or someone falls through and just say, hey, I believe in the work that I'm doing. I want this to get out in the world, but it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be a little messy, um, but ultimately we'll get it there. And so, yeah, it's been a blast. Very hard times, trying times, frustrating times, and also exciting. It's it's a roller coaster for sure. Well, where can people find that? I'm sure it's wherever people find books. It usually is <laughs> Amazon, yeah, right. Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Well, all those places. My absolute favorite place for you to find the book is on setitonfire.co. And the reason for that, and you hmm. know, this is just a lesson I learned with books, right? When you go to Bezos, we all have Amazon Prime, but when you go to Bezos, you probably make just a couple dollars off your book, <laughs> which hmm. is unfortunate, right? When when you buy directly from the author, they get to keep a little bit a little bit more of of that. And so cool thing is if you do go to setitonfire.co, I will sign the book. So it'll be personalized and signed and I'll ship it much nicer than Amazon will, but, but you can also get it at Amazon. So any, anywhere books are sold for sure. But, well, um, the link favorite. in the, in the show notes will be set it on fire.co. So listener go there, order the book. Where can people connect with you? Yeah. So I would love to, you know, just connect with you through innovation meets leadership. You can follow me there on almost every single platform. And then also LinkedIn through Natalie Bourne. Great. Well, thanks, Natalie. It's it's really fun to get to uh, collaborate with you and and to hear what you're up to and some of the the innovation and even just the helpful tips as far as how we can innovate together as separate, you know, solopreneurs as the the word is. I might stop, you know, using that word. I don't know. It's a little (laughs) cringe to me sometimes, but for better or worse. That's the only word I know right now. (laughs) So, but yeah, thank you very much. And I'll be keeping in contact and listener. Thank you. We're going to continue to create more opportunities for ourselves, but more importantly for other people. Awesome. Thanks, Daniel.